Jesus can't be serious. Yes, he's serious. And don't call me Shirley, by the way. Surely he can't be serious. Perfection, perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oh, come on, Jesus. Give me some slack, Jack. This is incredible. This is insane. I can't be perfect. Why not? Why can't we be perfect? Well, we're sinners. Yep, we're sinners. We make mistakes. Yep, we make mistakes. But Jesus is calling us to a better way. Why couldn't he have made it easier? Why didn't he say, try to be better? Try to do good. Try to be a little less a sinner than you are. Do your best to try to be good. Why didn't he say something like that? Why didn't he put it that way? That's something we could actually attempt to do. We could try to be better. We could try to sin less than we do. We could try to do our best to do better. We could try that and we would still fail. We could try to do better. We could try to be good. We could try to be less of a sinner and we would still fail miserably fail. I just got back from Southeast Asia where I visited Vietnam, Cambodia, and Thailand. I, I flew to Japan, spent a couple of days there because I'd never been to Japan before. Then I flew to Hong Kong, spent a couple of days there because I'd never been to Hong Kong before. Then I got on a ship and we cruised to Vietnam for four days. We cruised to Cambodia for one day and we cruised on into Thailand for three days before going on to Singapore to get on a plane and come home. And while I was in Vietnam and Cambodia and Thailand, we saw a lot of Buddhist temples and Buddhas. In fact, I must say that after going through those countries, I'm quite Buddhaed out, friends. I've seen more Buddhas than I'd ever seen before in my life. A lot of Buddhas. In fact, in one place in Thailand, they had this huge complex of temples representing Chinese Buddhism, Vietnamese Buddhism, Cambodian Buddhism, Japanese Buddhism, and Thai, Thailand Buddhism. And it was like Buddha land. I had Buddhas of all different kinds all over the place. I have seen more Buddhas than I know what to do with. Every city in Vietnam seems to have a Buddha on a hill, either in the middle of the town or sometime, somewhere around the town, on the outskirts of the town. Some Buddha that you would go and see. In the Trang, they have this Buddha in the middle of town. And from a distance, it doesn't look like too much, too difficult to get up to the top of the hill to visit the Buddha until you start climbing the steps. 153. And they're not little old steps like this, and they're not steps like these. They're foot-tall steps. 153 of them. And so here I am climbing these steps a foot at a time, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And I swear the reason they put these Buddhas up on the top of these hills with all these steps you have to climb is because when you get to the top, you're going to fall to your knees, friends. 
Well, about step 100, my knees became wobbly and gave out on me, and I plopped down on a fence, a stone fence and breathed heavily. Because my friends, it was 88 degrees and 95% humidity. I was sweating buckets, friends. I must have lost two pounds on that climb alone. I was exhausted. I was tired. I was breathing heavy. I was sucking water, trying to replenish my thirst. And sitting there near a pagoda that had this Buddhist bell in it, one of these large cone-shaped bells. And there was a monk in there. And if you would pay him some money, he would ding it for you. Boom, boom, boom. And if you paid him even more money, they'd let you get up inside the bell and he'd ding it for you within, and you're in there. Boom. I saw people going up there, giving him money, getting the bell. Boom. And I sat there and watched. And as I was watching, this young Vietnamese girl comes up to me and says, Mr. I'll hold your shoes for five dollars so you can go in and sit in the bell. Uh, no, I don't want to go into the temple and sit in the bell and have the, the monk ding me in there. No, thank you very much. <laughs> and she's looking at me, and she's looking at me, and she's looking at me. And she says, Mister, you look like Happy Buddha. <laughs> like that one. <laughs> you look like Happy Buddha. And I kind of look at her and I start laughing <laughs> as I'm wiping my face off from the sweat. And I say, no, dear, but I am big, fat, sweaty Buddha. <laughs> uh, you look like happy Buddha. I tried to get to the top of that hill. I tried. And I couldn't do it. I, I, you know, it's just one more Buddha. I mean, I got pictures of Buddha left and right. Why did I have to climb up to the top of that hill to get a picture of yet another Buddha? I was exhausted. I was wiped out. I just said, that's it. I quit. And then it was hard enough going back down those hundred steps. They're hard to climb one foot tall steps. hundred going down is even worse. I actually had to go down backwards, friends. It was scary. I was exhausted. I was wiped out. I couldn't do it. I tried and I couldn't do it. I've lost a hundred pounds and I still couldn't get up that hill. And I felt really bad because there's a skinny little old lady. I don't know how old she was. I didn't have the heart to ask her. She knew she at least as old as my mother. She was climbing them steps real fast. She got all the way to the top. I was embarrassed. I couldn't do it. Doesn't Jesus know that we can't be perfect? Doesn't Jesus know that we can't be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect? It's not, he didn't say, be perfect as Moses was perfect. Be perfect as Abraham was perfect. Because we all know they weren't perfect, friends. And he didn't even say, be perfect as I am perfect. Jesus speaking. No, Jesus said, be perfect as the Father is perfect. You can't get more perfect than that. That's true perfection. Doesn't Jesus know that we can't be perfect like that? Oh, we can try, we can try, we can try. We can do the best we can. 
We can struggle and we can climb. We can try to be better than we are. We can try to sin less. We can try to do better and better and better. And in the end, without fail, we will fail. Without doubt, we will fail. We won't make it by our own strength. We can't even get halfway up the hill of perfection, much less all the way to the top. We can try, we can try, we can try to perfect ourselves, and in the end, every time, we fall short. We can't do it. Jesus could have made it easier, but He didn't. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. Huh? You mean we can't go out and get a defense attorney? Nope. Do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And let him hit you again, by implication. When I was little, I thought the cheeks weren't here. I thought they were back here, friends. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give them your cloak as well. You mean if they want to take away my coat from me, i got to give them my shirt too? Uh-huh. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go the second mile. Oh, going one mile is bad enough. Now i got to go two? Uh-huh. Give to everyone who begs from you. Now, you notice Jesus is not very big in gray area, friends. Jesus tends to be an all or nothing kind of guy. And here's an example of that. Give to everyone. Who's not included in everyone? Nobody. Give to everyone who begs from you. Ooh. Don't sit there and evaluate whether or not they need it, whether or not they're going to use it on drugs or alcohol or whatever. Give to everyone who begs from you. And do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. Well, well, Jesus, don't you know that if I give away everything I have to everybody who's begging from me, and if they want to borrow stuff from me, they're going to borrow everything I have, then I won't have anything but black and blue cheeks. From all the beatings I've gotten. Jesus, I can't be perfect. I can't even do this. <clears throat> I can't even do this, Jesus. How can I be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect if I can't do this? Cut us some slack, Jesus. Come on. Let's see what he says next. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor... And hate your enemy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Love your neighbor. I'm gonna, that's hard enough. I gotta love Jeff. I gotta love Jay. I gotta love Gail. I gotta love Rick. Oh, this is hard enough, friends. Love your neighbor. That's hard enough. Okay, but... You know, I think I can, I know them. I, I can kind of, I, I can get myself to loving them, I guess. <clears throat> but you get to hate your, hate your enemy. Ah, there you go. You got to hate your enemy. Yeah. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor 
and hate your enemy. But I say to you, this is Jesus talking, friends. In some Bibles, this is in red, all right? But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Hard enough to love your friends. What about, you're crazy, Jesus. I got to be perfect and this is part of that? Mm-hmm. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Uh, maybe I just won't be a child of God. That's the alternative, friends. Ooh. For he makes his son rise on evil and on the good. And sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. Well, that's not fair. The good should have sunny days and the unrighteous should have rainy days. The good should have pretty days and the bad should have bad days, right? Nah. God makes the sun to shine on both. And God makes the rain to rain on both oh. <clears throat> for if you love those who love you what reward do you have do not even the tax collectors do the same don't even the IRS collectors love those who love them uh huh and if you greet only your brothers and sisters what, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You should greet everybody. Even those who aren't members of your family. Even those you don't like. In fact, you're not, there's not supposed to be anybody you're not supposed to like. Come on. You should greet everyone. This is perfection. Jesus, I'm stuck. I'm in trouble. I might as well hang it all up and go back on vacation forever, friends, because I can't do this. Perfection? I'm in trouble. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oh, my brothers and sisters, what does Jesus mean here? What does Jesus mean? What does he mean when he says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect? He can't mean a total, complete, fundamental perfection. The kind of perfection that God has in all his glory, can he? The Greek word used in Matthew's gospel here is the word telos. Now you see it in Greek at the top and transliterated into English letters beneath it. Telos means perfect. It means without blemish or fault. It means complete, holy, totally together. It means full, mature, an end, an objective. It means to attain fruition, completion, maturity. It's one of the end of a journey. You have the beginning and you have the end. You have the beginning and you have the target. You have the beginning and you have 
where you're going to. It means end, yes, but it doesn't assume that within that end there can't be more. When you mature, it's not as if you don't have any more maturing to do. Jan, where are you? Jan level. Oh, there you are. Jan, you're mature, aren't you? He hopes so. He hopes so. I asked Shirley that in first service, and she said, sometimes I am. You're mature. But just because you're mature doesn't mean that you don't have more growth to do. Spiritual growth, emotional growth, mental growth. There's always more that you can learn. There's always more that you can grow into. There's always more that you can discover in life, in faith, in hope, in joy. Maturity is the concept here, the idea here. Fruition is the concept here, the idea here. Yes, we come and move into this state of telos, into this state of perfection, into this state of maturity, into this state of fruition. But it's not a state that, that it just leaves us there. It's a state that, that we continue to mature in, that we continue to grow within. It's perfection, yes, but perfection in God's love, in God's grace. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect with His perfection, perfect with His love, perfect with His grace. Mature in His grace and love. In the United Methodist Church, and back, going all the way back to the beginning of Methodism with John Wesley, he asked his preachers, when he, just before they would be selected, and clergy had been asked this question just before they'd been ordained by the bishop. There's a whole lot of questions that they are asked. These are called the historic questions. Some of them are things like, do you know the general rules of our church? You're supposed to answer yes. Will you keep them? Yes. And then sometimes the bishop would stop and asking these questions and then start asking you about the general rules of the church. Cite the general rules. It'd be always embarrassing because they'd always ask the person who didn't know. Have you studied the doctrines of the United Methodist Church? And if you answer yes, sometimes a bishop would say, what is Article 4? <clears throat> After full examination, do you believe that our doctrines are in harmony with the Holy Scriptures? And you're supposed to answer yes. Will you preach and maintain them? Yes. Have you studied our form of church discipline and polity? Yes. Do you approve our church government and polity? You're supposed to say yes. <clears throat> sometimes it's hard to do that given who sometimes is in the positions, but the basic structure, yes. Will you support and maintain them? You're supposed to say yes. Will you diligently instruct children in every place? Yes. Will you visit from house to house? Yes. Will you recommend fasting or abstinence, both by precept and example? And at that time, you look down at yourself and wonder if you uh, <clears throat> need to practice fasting a little more. But you're supposed to say yes. Are you determined to employ all your time in the work of God? Ooh, all your time in the work of God. Answers yes. 
Are you in, this, one's the, this is the trick question. Are you in debt so as to embarrass you in your work? And after saying yes, 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 you're supposed to say no. That always gets somebody, somebody always gets caught with that one. Hmm. Will you observe the following directions? By the way, these are really good directions. I recommend these for all of us. Be diligent. Never be unemployed. Never be triflingly employed. Ooh. Never trifle away time. Facebook is the greatest time trifler I know. Neither spend any more time at one, any one place than is strictly necessary. Be punctual. Do everything exactly at the time. And do not mend our rules, but keep them, not for wrath, but for conscience' sake. These are some of the questions, the historic questions that Methodist clergy are asked. But these are all following five very hard questions. The first one is the most important. Have you faith in Christ? If you can't say yes to that one, you might as well just quit right there. The second question is hard. Are you going on to perfection? Notice it doesn't say, have you attained perfection? Have you already been made perfect? But are you going on to perfection? And you're supposed to answer yes. I remember struggling with this one, thinking about it, praying about it, because I know how much I fall short of the goal that God has for me, how much I fall short of the perfection that God would have for me, how much I fall short of being the kind of person, the kind of Christian, and the kind of minister that God would have me be. But I believe by grace, by faith, from the first question, that yes, I am going on to perfection. So I said yes. Do you expect, this is question three, do you expect to be made perfect in love in this life? Ooh, <clears throat> notice the question. It's not do you expect to be made perfect in this life, but do you expect to be made perfect in love in this life? Ooh, perfect in the love of God. Perfect in the grace of God. Perfect in the presence of God. Do you expect to be made perfect in love in this life? My sisters and brothers, the only answer to that, the only answer we can have to that is yes, by God's grace. And as I say said this, as I answered these questions, as I said yes to this one, 20 years ago in 1994, standing before the bishop, this is the 20th anniversary of my ordination this June. I was ordained an elder 20 years ago. And when I stood before Bishop Blake and he asked these questions, and we came to that one, I had struggled on that question too. And I remembered that yes, I had already had fleeting 
glimpses, fleeting moments of knowing the perfect love of God and that I was in the perfect love of God. Just, just, just instances of knowing it, kneeling in prayer at communion, in prayer with others, singing hymns of praise, reading scripture, in moments, in fleeting instances when I knew I was totally encompassed, swathed in the perfect love of God. Not by any merit of my own, not by anything I was doing other than where I was at that moment spiritually in prayer, receiving communion, in praise, in reading of scripture, partaking of the means of grace. In that moment, in those moments, I had a fleeting glimpse, a fleeting taste, a fleeting experience of knowing the perfect love of God. And in those moments, I knew what glory everlasting would be like. I knew what heaven would be like. I knew what it would be like to be in the immediate presence of God, for I was in those moments. And so I could say yes to this question. Do you expect to be made perfect in love in this life? Yes, because I've experienced it in fleeting instances before that time in 1994 and since. The fourth question, are you earnestly striving after it? Unless you're partaking of the means of grace, unless you're reading scripture, unless you're praying, unless you're receiving communion, unless you are engaging in the fellowship of the faithful together, unless you're acting, and all of these are acts of faith, my brothers and sisters. All of these are steps and actions of faith. If you are not faithing, you're not striving earnestly after the perfect love of God. You're not striving after the perfection that Jesus is talking about in our passage today. You're just not. You have to answer yes. If you are faithing, if you're exercising faith, you can answer yes to that question. Are you resolved to devote yourself wholly to God and His work? If you are faithing, if you're exercising faith and growing in grace and growing in the love of God and experiencing moments, if they're only fleeting moments of the perfect love of God, if you are doing that, then my brothers and sisters, then you are indeed Devoting yourself wholly to God in His work. That's what perfection is about. Living by faith. Feasting on the riches of His grace. As the hymn said earlier today. Feasting on the riches of His grace. Being empowered by His love and presence. Taking step after step of faith always focused on Jesus, depending upon His love, His grace, and His presence. And when we do that, we are totally devoted, wholly devoted to God. And we can know the perfect love of God. Oh, Greg, I'm too much of a sinner. Well, so am I. I'm too much of a failure. Well, so am I. God's not going to give me His perfect love. He already has. In the greatest means of grace of all, Jesus Christ on the cross, in the source of all the means of grace, Jesus Christ on the cross, 
the one who called us to be perfect as the heavenly Father is perfect, gives himself for us that we might know the perfect love of God and attain it, if only for a fleeting instant in this life. Hear the call of Christ to be perfect, to achieve maturity, fruition, and the completion of love that God has for you. Well, it still makes me uncomfortable, Greg, this whole idea of perfection makes me uncomfortable too because I know how far I fall short. That's where it takes simple faith, trusting in Jesus, who was and is perfect, to lift us up. You see, we don't have to climb a mountain. We don't have to climb 153 steps to get to God. Because Jesus came down, became one of us, and He climbed a mountain, Calvary, Golgotha, and He died on a mountain for us, that we might never have to climb a mountain, but that we can trust simply in Him, in His grace and walk by faith and attain, if only for a fleeting instance in this life, that perfect love of God. have been listening to a sermon by Dr. Gregory Neal, Senior Pastor of Northgate United Methodist Church and Rector of Grace Incarnate Ministries. Copyright 2014 by Dr. Gregory S. Neal. All rights reserved. For more information or to listen to other sermons by Dr. Neal, visit us on the web at www.revneal.org. That's www.revneal.org. You are also invited to visit us in person at Northgate United Methodist Church, 3700 West Northgate Drive, Irving, Texas, 75062. This program was produced by Dr. Gregory Neal.